You are listening to Paul Cook Talks. So may we start. So may we start. It's time to start. He does other things too. My time to start. Paul Cook Talks. May we start. Hello, it's the Paul Cook Talks podcast. Hope your weekend is going well and we get in some more great weather. Also, uh, um, a very profound observance of Memorial Day. Yes, Memorial Day weekend is fun and a three-day weekend, but Memorial Day is not a happy And uh, I hope you're able to observe that. And I know listeners of this podcast and this radio station absolutely do favor uh, a big observance, and most Americans too, of Memorial Day. So uh, I want to tell you and I want to thank those that we have lost in the pursuit of freedom. I also wanted to cover the Amber Heard-Johnny Depp trial a little bit because to me it's fascinating all that went into it. Each person had six lawyers, Depp six, Heard six, and the arguments they made are incredible. But you just kind of spot check it and you go, oh, she's lying, you know, a lot of people say this, and he looks bad, but uh, she's trying to get money, you know, and you just kind of spot check it that way. There's so much more to this trial, and I can sum it up in the podcast, and I'm going to play a little bit of each side's rebuttal closing arguments, which are really fascinating, and uh, lay it out what is actually needed here, because he's suing her for defamation for $50 million, and she is countersuing him for the same thing, ruining her career, she says. Both of them say they ruined each other's career. They were really bad for each other, as, as you know. But she sued him back for $100 million. What goes into that? It's, it's pretty fascinating. Also, I mean, hysterics happened in this trial across six weeks. And even during the closing remarks of Amber's lawyer, perfectly timed, and people say just happens random, after there's been a a child missing, but an Amber Alert rolled out right when he's getting ready to make his big points. Amber's attorney. And everyone in the courtroom's phone went crazy and would not go off, right? An Amber Alert. When Amber's people were making their biggest argument, when you have to capture the jury and really make great points, this happened. Booze. My capacity is too large and I won't stop. Ugly and sad. Oh, how I love it. There appears to be an amber alert, but I think we're okay. People are getting it, I guess, on their phones that haven't silenced that. Okay, Your Honor. Okay. Can I keep going? Yes. Thank you. Yes, sir. So that's, that's after Hicksville. This, this is what I was getting to next. This, remember uh, the testimony about Mr. Depp being drunk on his yacht. Now, I don't know if it was intentional or who's in charge of those type of things, but it really threw the jury off and kind of made 
Her lawyer looked silly. He was like meandering around and it was just very odd. And Johnny's people were chuckling as everyone's really adjusting for their phones. It just seemed like primo timing, um, incredible. And Heard's lawyers have argued that so many people, just droves will come out for Johnny and not look at the facts as uh, Heard's lawyers say. I mean, it was crazy. So this whole thing concerns an op-ed that Amber put out that she was a domestic violence victim. She never said Johnny Depp's name, but everybody knew who she was talking about. This whole thing is if he abused her even once, she wins. She wins. So that's a big deal and a huge burden uh, of proof that he has to prove that he did not do this ever, even though he was blackout on uh, drinking and drugging a, a lot. So that's a big thing. Even though many people favor the Johnny Depp side of this thing, man, one bit of violence. And then what do you even call abuse? You know, uh, abuse, is it just violence, physical, or is it mental? Is it financial? So I think it's a lot easier for her to win than him even though he seems to look right. Like she never had really great pictures of the abuse and she really looked fake up there when she was testifying. But then she countersues him. You probably know this, but just a little recap that he hurt her career by uh, his lawyer putting out all of these uh, tweets and other things that said it was a hoax, that she was doing a me too hoax and that's what killed Aquaman and everything else so free speech is a huge part of this because of her op-ed and Miss Vasquez his attorney is arguing for him in the final remarks which I found interesting they've talked about the importance of free speech and we agree I'm a lawyer of course I agree with that but the First Amendment doesn't protect lies that hurt and defame people and there's a difference Ms. Heard has no right to tell the world that Mr. Depp physically or sexually assaulted her when that isn't true. That's not protected speech. Our U.S. Constitution doesn't protect that speech. And it is a core value of American society that you are innocent until proven guilty. There, there is a presumption of innocence in this country. A person's life cannot and should not be destroyed by a baseless charge and no opportunity to defend yourself. That's why Mr. Depp had to bring this claim. Ms. Heard was never going to stop calling him an abuser. The only way to clear his name was to stand up in this court where both sides are bound by the same rules of American law. A jury would be tasked, you, ladies and gentlemen, would be tasked with deciding once and for all Ms. Heard's lies could be exposed in a fair and impartial process. When Mr. Depp sued her, Ms. Heard apparently decided she needed to sue him back. And because there were no statements made by Mr. Depp on which she could base the claim, she sued him based on statements made by one of his lawyers, Adam Waldman, calling Ms. Heard's accusations of abuse a hoax. Make no mistake though, they are a hoax. Ms. Heard made up claims of abuse and then she gave a performance where she passionately repeated those made up claims of abuse on the stand in front of each of you. But ask yourselves, who's really the one alleging a hoax here? Who wants you to believe that everyone else is lying, committing perjury? 
Ms. Hurd needs you to believe that all the people who showed up in this courtroom to testify on behalf of Mr. Depp, they're all lying. She needs you to believe that the witnesses you heard from, including security professionals, former cops, medical professionals, and police officers, they're all lying. Covering up for Mr. Depp, she's asking you to believe that she's the one telling the truth and that the rest of the people in Mr. Depp's life are all part of a conspiracy of silence. Okay, that's pretty interesting. Now, here is a comment about Johnny's lawyer who accused Amber of a hoax, a Me Too hoax. And uh, his lawyer talks about this. It's very interesting. Talking about Waldman. You have seen Mr. Waldman's statements and evidence in this case. When you look at them, you can tell that the key point Mr. Waldman was making in each of these statements was simply that Ms. Hurd's accusations against Mr. Depp were lies. That's why he talks about an abuse hoax. Now, Ms. Hurd has the burden of proof of proving that Mr. Waldman's statements are false. And that means that Ms. Hurd has to do more than prove that Mr. Waldman got some details wrong. She has to prove that Mr. Waldman's statements are false in their essential meaning. In other words, she has to prove that her abuse claims are not a hoax. But as we've seen, the evidence is overwhelming that Ms. Hurd's claims of abuse are false. We should also spend a bit of time talking about actual malice. It is Ms. Hurd's burden to prove that Mr. Waldman's statements were made with actual malice. And actual malice means knowledge that the statements were false or reckless, and that's an important word, reckless disregard for the truth. This is where they make her look really bad for calling TMZ and telling them to be somewhere to take a picture of her bruise on her face, which Depp's attorneys say she made up. Take a minute and think back to what Ms. Hurd did six days later, six years ago today. She walked into court with a visible mark on her face, not wearing makeup that day. She tipped off TMZ, she made it public, and she showed up on the cover of People magazine with a mark on her face. Pretty compelling stuff there. Now, her lawyer, after he kind of gathers himself during the first Amber alert going off, during his final remarks, uh, another one that hits. It doesn't last too long, but he makes some really good points here. This, this is what I was getting to next. This, remember uh, the testimony about Mr. Depp being drunk on his yacht on the island in the Bahamas in 2013 when Mr. Depp looked a little scary by the way his body fell into the water and Lily Rose, his daughter, started to cry. Miss Heard comforted Lily Rose and then Depp accused Amber of making them aware of this, that he was drinking again, making his kids aware of this. The man's at least consistent in one respect. He blames other people for his problems, everyone but himself. You heard us reading the stack of articles dating years before he broke up with Amber uh, before their marriage broke apart, talking about his problems, talking about the fact that his movies were flops, talking about the fact that he was late to the set, he's unreliable as an actor. A word of reminder here, ladies and gentlemen, is that the only thing Amber ever did that Mr. Depp is allowed to sue her for is the op-ed. He's trying to say, I want to sue her for what she said in 2016. I want to sue her for harm that was caused then. You cannot do that. The only thing you're being asked to decide is, are the words of the op-ed defamatory? Nothing else. 
Any damage to Mr. Depp's career is self-caused. Okay, now here's her other lawyer who did a lot of the cross-examination, and she's the last one to talk in this trial. And there was a big thing about Amber not giving the money she said she was going to get from the divorce settlement to victims of abuse. She gave like a million and a half. She was supposed to give all seven. They made a big deal about that. But she comes back after Johnny Depp, who doesn't give to charity at all, they say. Who would do that? That sounds like psychological abuse to me. Now, Mr. Mandel testified that Johnny Depp is not a charitable person, and he hasn't written any big checks for him. Mr. Depp got on the stand and says he does it unanimously, uh, uh, anonymously. Still thrown off from the Amber Alert. But Mr. Mandel would have been the one writing the checks, and he says that didn't happen. Not sure why that even mattered, except for just to make him look bad. Now, this is her countersuit. What she should receive from Johnny Depp for him ruining her career and Aquaman. It's uh, fascinating. You've got so many things going on here. And so these damages to business reputation, inconvenience, embarrassment are presumed. You don't have to prove those damages. And one great example of that is the testimony from Mr. Hamada at Warner Brothers. He didn't want to have to get in the middle of all of this with Aquaman 2. They haven't even released it. So he didn't read anything in preparation for his deposition. He didn't talk to anybody before his deposition. He said that he, he tried to do technicals and say, no, we never terminated her contract. But, oh, yeah, we did tell her we were probably not going to renew her option. Um, and then we didn't change the script, but Amber got the script, and yes, they did change it. Then he said, um, you know, no, we never negotiate salaries, but oh yeah, we did negotiate, renegotiate Jason Momoa's and Gal Gadot's. So he just doesn't want to admit to any of these things. But what came out in Hamada's deposition, and I hope you were listening carefully to this, was the email from James Wan, the director, and, Jane, and uh, Jason Momoa, her co-star, who said they guarantee if they are in the film, she is going to be Mira in the film. Why would they do that unless they thought Warner Brothers was being unfair to her? And why did she get almost knocked out of it? Because of the defamatory statements. When they came out, they took on a life of their own. Is that if you took that for the last two years and projected into the next three to four, that it's between 47 and $50 million that she could have had instead of her star being completely extinguished. And that's what's happened to her. The emotional distress damages are even more extreme here. Um, and that is, Don Hughes testified extensively about the PTSD and what she goes through. And every time she's called a liar, every time these hoax things come up, everything, it causes her to relive all of it. She talks about the panic attacks, the nervousness, the intrusive thoughts, the nightmares, all of the, the, the sweats, the, you know, the anxiety that goes through all of this. Uh, it's, it's significant, but probably the most compelling testimony that you could ever hear was from Amber yesterday and when she took the stand before. It has destroyed her life. This has consumed her. She's getting death threats. Her daughter, they're threatening to put her daughter in a microwave, for God's sakes. She can't get away from this. It's everywhere. This media, the social media that has just taken off has just consumed her life. As she said, I'm a human being. No human being should be put through this. A lot of the closing remarks, comments, and rebuttals there from Friday the 27th. They don't deliberate. The jury has it now. They don't deliberate over the weekend. They start on the 31st on Tuesday after Memorial Day, and then we'll see what happens. 
just so many lawyers think that Johnny is going to win and that his crew looked a lot better. I will say they did carry themselves better. Uh, maybe they cost more, his uh, lawyers. But gosh, one time, if he abused her one time, and how would he know? He was blacked out, like I said. Then, if if she proved that, then this all goes her way, which is really fascinating because she did look bad. You could tell she was acting sometimes, but does that mean she's lying all the way, you know? It's very interesting. I also would love her to pull her eyebrows down. Can you imagine sitting for a whole trial with your eyebrows up? Like, try it right now. Eyebrows up. If you just walked around everywhere like that, people would think you're weird. People would think you think you're better than them, and you're surprised. And I, she just was that way the entire time. Eyebrows up. I mean, I, I would need Botox. Maybe she got Botox. It will be very fascinating to see what happens. I think, you know, you've got war going on. We've got these this tragic shootings, you know. And then there's this, arguing over an op-ed. Right. And those other things have been covered so appropriately and should be much more. But this was an eye into Hollywood that is really in our lives so often and what they really care about and how really ungrateful both of them are for the position they've been in. And I know this sucks, everything they've been dealing with. But, you know, Johnny Depp hates hates his celebrity. And, you know, it's annoying. It's really annoying for him to be so like, this is a burden, you know? I I hope they both pay. I don't know how that works, but definitely these two were toxic and like children together, absolute children. It's really an eye into relationships and not just going with infatuation, which I think celebrities do. They have no way of really understanding the life after infatuation. I mean, every time they walk into a bar or a public place, everyone's infatuated with them. There's like a buzz. And I think they live on that. And that's why their marriages are so tragic and horrible. They don't know how to work for it. And wow, am I breaking new ground here? No, but this is an eye into that bubble. And I think it's fascinating. And then, yes, correct. I was a pre-law minor which means I took two classes. So I'm fascinated with the law stuff. I think I should have gone into that versus music radio. But then again, here I am. Here I see how it winds back to Paul Cook talks to you and with you. Okay, so a lot of conversations um, about his addiction and what he was taking. I want to talk about that a little bit. The opioid addiction, not Johnny Depp's, what we're dealing with in Missouri. Fentanyl. People say fentanyl. I've said fentanyl. It's fentanyl. And Narcan, which has saved millions of lives. It's given during an overdose and saved lives. Well, we have a huge shortage now in Missouri. So I want to talk about that coming up. But first, I've got to tell you about a very important place. Our free water store. This is an incredible concept in Chesterfield, kind of near Fifi there on Olive, right there in the strip mall, our free water store. And that's not just a play on words. You go in there and you can get living water. What's living water? It has an electric charge. It's incredibly filtered. It's, in my view, the best water you can drink. 
It's saved me from kidney stones. It's given me an energy level. It's just water. But because of what this water does and goes across these titanium plates, it has the antioxidants in it of a bushel of broccoli. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what's in your living water, which has a charge. They took blood from uh, someone before drinking this water and their cells, looked at the cells under a microscope. They're just kind of there, you know, not moving. Drink this water, a bottle of this water. They waited 10 minutes, took her blood again. The cells were spongy. They were moving. They were keeping the charge. And that is what ages us, losing that charge. You can drink living water. You can try living water at Our Free Water Store. Ourfreewaterstore.com. Check it out. It'll be something you'll want to be going back to over and over again because it does really help your body heal from so many things. Okay, it's incredible that we could actually be facing a huge short supply of Narcan, the life-saving medicine given when there is an overdose. And well, with the supply chain, why wouldn't there be? There's a grant given to Missouri, which did supply most of our Narcan. That grant has run out. So now they're having to choose who to give Narcan to when before it was like, get it in there, save a life. Give them two doses, many times police would do. Now we're at a shortage and hopefully gaining another grant, but it does seem weird. And I have to say, uh, in the back of many people's minds, the stigma of addiction, right? You think we're short on so many different things in this country, uh, you know, baby formula, other things that provide incredible lives to the innocent. I think there are some people that think those are drug addicts. You know, let's not put them first on the list for something that's a shortage. I'm not saying everyone, but I know that's there. And there might be like, you know, I hope they can help themselves, but, you know, they put themselves here. And I want to say there is so much fentanyl in our country and in our state from the cartels using counterfeit pills. So you could think, I'm not saying this is going to happen if you go to your pharmacy and get Xanax, but there is a possibility of getting a pill that is counterfeit, probably not at the pharmacy, but you know, maybe you think that's what you're going to get. You're not, you know, trying to destroy your life, but you have a fentanyl overdose. You need Narcan for your life to be saved. To me, that's an innocent person. To me, having generations of addiction in your family and you having it, that craving that many others don't, that is an innocent person. Now, yeah, addicts can do damage. It's hard to trust them sometimes, you know, because that's the nature of that beast. But I do think people deserve to have Narcan. There shouldn't be such a shortage in Missouri when there isn't in many other places. In Nashville, Tennessee, almost like every five minutes, I think it's less, they are called on an overdose from fentanyl. They give them two doses. They have tons of it. Why don't we in Missouri? This is from the Kansas City Beacon and an article written by Meg Cunningham. She says, 
quote, we have no long-term replacement for the same sort of grant money that would provide the Narcan. Providers say the loss of some of Missouri's Narcan resources could worsen the state's drug overdose crisis. In 1999, the rate of drug overdoses that ended in death, 5%. In 2020, 32%. Quote, we've had to say, and I'm sad to say, we've had to kind of hold back on who we are giving Narcan to because we don't want to run out for whenever we need it. That was Myrna Hera, the Special Projects Coordinator of the Mid-America Addiction Technology Transfer Center Network. And from 20 to 21, over those 12 months, 1,952 people died from overdose due to opioids that is in missouri those are sons daughters fathers it's a it's brutal and i know some really incredible parents who have lost their son or daughter or both to fentanyl overdose and these are not kids who were suicidal there's also another thing that's really happened a lot of overdoses and overdose deaths have come from Opioids and stimulants used together. That is up by 82% Missouri-wide. So please keep it on your, you know, mind, your radar that fentanyl saves lives. And it really is a necessary thing in this incredible evil of fentanyl and opioid overdose. Does it all fall on the Missouri legislature to provide this Funding for Narcan? No, it doesn't. I'm not saying that, but I am saying it's very, very important. And just so you know, Narcan is also naloxone. Naloxone is a generic for Narcan, naloxone. Thanks so much for listening to the Paul Cook Talks podcast today. Honored that you would uh, spend some time with me. I hope you found it interesting. The closing remarks from the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. I hadn't seen anyone else talk about the Amber Alert that happened twice in a courtroom where you're not supposed to have your phones and have them on. And I know sometimes an Amber will take over a phone, but that was so weird and yet again made her side look bad. I hope they found that child who uh, had triggered that Amber Alert. I'm going to be checking on that. And again, hope you have a good Memorial Day weekend and a very observant Memorial Day. And thank you if you've been in the service for our country. It's uh, awesome that you are still here, but we want to make sure we're very thankful for those who are not and paid the ultimate price for our country.